Welcome, change agents. I'm so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Klein, and you're listening to the Limitless Leader Podcast. So today is a very exciting and special day. I am so blessed to have Ala Lieberman with us today to share some of her wisdom. Thank you, Ala, for taking time out of your extremely busy calendar. Yes, it's my pleasure to be here. Um, It's so fun to get to speak to an audience of women and men uh, who are interested in the empowering women. Uh, It's a big deal for me, and I hope it's big deal for a lot of people out there. Yeah, for sure. And we're going to be talking about something today. We're talking about this a little bit offline, that there's there's just more a buzz. It's more than normal or more than usual about board seats, you know, acquiring them, that once you acquire them, how to really hit a home run once you're there and really serve. So we are going to touch on that. You're really an expert in that area. But before we get to that, I'm really curious, you know, you have achieved an amazing level of success. So let's talk a little bit about what inspired you to greatness as a young person, or maybe even what was really difficult that you said, I'm going to put my head down and do it anyway. So what's a little bit about your story? So as you can probably sense by my accent, I wasn't born in the United States. I was born in Ukraine, which is, uh, well, actually, I was born in Soviet Union, which uh, the country that doesn't exist anymore. And I um, came here with my family as an immigrant, as a refugee, as a Jewish refugee, when I was 16 years old. And um, when I, um, so we immigrated to um, Brooklyn, um, in New York, which is a part of New York City. And I, at 16, not speaking any English, went to uh, New York City Public High School. And it was such a non-successful high school that believe it or not, and I don't know how much you know about educational in New York City, and we have a lot of complaints about safety and quality of education in New York City, but even with those kind of not overly high standards, that high school should then be closed for underperformance and uh, security issues by New York City. So I show up there not speaking any English and I re- and this is where I realize, you know, it's make it or break it. I just have to do it. I just have to face it. And what's also made me realize how important the value of education is. And I've seen, I, I believe in that high school, uh, 10% graduation rate. Like it's, wow. it was shocking. And it's coming from the diff- very different part of the world, which you know, you can say a lot of good or bad things about Soviet Union, but they really, really valued education and people, and there was a lot spent and put into the value on very different levels. And here I show up. So I think just that kind of exposure and that kind of like, it just sort of hit me head on how hard you have to work to get out of this. And it also gave me in a weird way, this desire to get out of this. I, and I promised myself, this is not going to be my future. I will be in 10% who will graduate high school and I will go to college. And to this day, I don't know how I figured it out. I have three children. I look how much I help them figure out SATs, college touring. My parents knew nothing. I barely knew anything. And somehow I figured it out. To this day, don't know how I did it. But um, I think that was a big inspiration and also gave me sort of the ability to believe that I can do. 
And so then, so that must have given you an immense amount of confidence. And I want to take a pause and really honor your courage because high school is daunting enough when you're from the neighborhood, <laughs> you move from across town, nonetheless, not, you know, being an immigrant and not knowing the language. So, um, and that must be an inspiration for you and also for your kids. And so, so tell us a little bit about your journey into finance and really reaching, you know, where did you start and what motivated you to reach really one of the pinnacles in your industry? Um, I think, um, so I, I was always curious and I was always asking a lot of questions. So um, from my high school, I mean, I couldn't afford to live on campus or go away from my family. That was not even a consideration. So I applied to two universities. I applied to Stern School of Business at NYU and at Brooklyn College. And I always think, well, it's interesting how different my life could have turned out. But I Stern accepted me and I commuted um, from home every day, well, five days a week. Um, and because it was a business school, I started, pick, I thought it was, I started picking up accounting. And I graduated eventually with an accounting major. But what I've also started taking, when my language got a little better, I started picking up some other studies and I've taken a finance course. And I thought, oh my God, this is truly, truly fascinating. I want to learn more. So I, um, again, by, ch by chance, uh, applied to a number of summer, summer internships after junior year. In fact, I started um, working as a teller at Chase to pay my way through college. And I ended up working for Chase in a completely other area eventually. And it's interesting, people always joke, I'm probably the only person in the history of that company that went from being a teller to managing director in yeah. the sales and trading role. That is a great story. <laughs> and um, my colleague used to always remind me that I used to be a teller in a very fun and warm way. Yeah. But um, I think it's just being curious and also being the determined and being determined and to say, okay, even though and we'll talk about it more later, but just to say what, like, I would like, this is my goal. And I would like to do that. And this is interesting. And just because I became like this, well, I went to university for one reason and something else became interesting. There's no reason I should pursue the original path. So what, so it seems like what you're saying then is to be agile and that can happen early on in your career or when you're in college. But I know a lot of people too, that have switched mid career or, you know, or later. So I think that's a really important message to be curious and to follow what you're passionate about and that it might change and that's okay. I absolutely agility and flexibility. If I were ever said there's one mindset to you must have, it's that. And for me, if you think about it, if you knew me more, like personally, I have a bit of an OCD. I'm very organized. Like I am very, very sort of, um, not flexible when it comes to do a lot of things like the clothes in my uh, in, in my closet I all by color and by style and god forbid anybody messes up with that but when it comes to um real life and decision it's imperative to be flexible and um we see it everywhere listen uh we talk about diversity for example and we talk what is that what does diversity mean 
diversity is working with other people and bringing the quality, right? Bringing the qualities, different backgrounds, different upbringings, to be able to be flexible to work with people. That's a big deal too. So it's just there's a lot to being adaptive to your environment, being adaptive to the people around you, to your university, to your organization. When you switch job or you switch careers, uh, if you're not adaptable, I mean, we would be still like if we didn't adapt to emails, we'd be still, you know, writing papers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that could be problematic. So, <laughs> so adaptability, agility, flexibility. Uh, sounds like it's so important and really helped you get to where you are today. And so, of course, we have to talk about mindset. You touched on it a little bit. But when it comes to adaptability, but is there any other mindset that got you through um, high school, public high school, New York, not knowing the language, you know, starting into business? And, you know, because that was probably mostly men or boys in your class to getting into finance where it's probably still mostly men. Um, so what mindset has helped you, you know, persevere and have influence and become a real leader, you know, even when it's sometimes been hard? Um, it's a great question. I um, I think there is a lot of mindset. I think, per, you know, I always say to myself, when I get to a situation, which is hard, and I say, well, I have no choice. I have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. When I got to high school and I, you know, I was alone, not speaking English. I was like, well, I have no, I have no choice. Like I cannot go backwards. I cannot not go to high school. I cannot not graduate. So I have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And when I got to Wall Street um, um, and I was one of the few women and uh, my background was in finance, um, and I, I'm very quantitative by nature, but I never had a degree in math. And then what I ended up doing for a living, actually, math was very, very necessary. My first project was a programming project, and I never programmed. And I just said to myself, well, I have no choice. I, that's been my, I've been tasked to do. I have to figure it out. And then, you know, it's hard work. There's, there's no way you, you cannot get anyone with hard work. When I was in high school, I would come home, and that homework that will take probably you an hour because you understood every single word would take me three hours because I would say there was a dictionary and remember we, we didn't have Google. So I actually had a book Russian to English translator and I would translate words and then I'll just, then I'll remember them. And when, you know, I had to take my SATs, I just had no choice. And I think that kind of a mindset and I teach my kids that, you know, don't complain. If this is what you have to do, you have you either have to figure it out or you fail. So don't complain. You have no choice. That is such an important message. And if I can extrapolate with that, because I'm sure you've heard before that if there's 10 boxes that need to be checked for a job, a project or a new job or what have you, women need to check at least eight before they throw their hat into the arena. And then we'll check three and do what you're saying and just try and figure it out. So if I can extrapolate from that is like, if there's something in your gut or your heart that's saying, go for it, just go for it and don't be afraid to put yourself in a position to where you have to figure it out. Absolutely. And you know what? I always say that, you know, as, as I, I made my career being a trader. So you take, we make, I would make decisions 
20 times a day, 20 to 50 times a day, sometimes very, very quickly. And what we learn in trading is that nobody is 100% ready and nobody is 100% right all the time. And if you are 60-40, 60% right, you're okay. And if you're 70% right, you're fantastic. <laughs> and to me, that's a very good lesson, not just in was in trading or in my job, but my everyday life. Mm -hmm. It's you are never gonna be perfect. I'm sorry, maybe you will be Cheryl, but I will not be, I will never be perfect. <laughs> But, and I don't think most, it's not an expectation. As long as you've done your homework and you have your reasoning and you believe you're 60 to 70% there, if you're 20% there, you shouldn't be going for it. But if, you're, if you've checked seven out of 10 boxes, you even if you check fewer, and but you're confident in yourself, you will fail. A few times you will fail, but more times than not, you will succeed. Yeah. And I think that really what the story that you told about showing up to public high school in New York and not knowing the language, I think that that is really a good bedrock or example for women to really take and run with because our voices really need to be heard and they don't need to be ready. Correct. They just need to decide. Correct. You need to be decisive. You know, and there's... Do we work a little bit? Do we need to work a little harder than men? It's the reality. Hopefully it will go away. But I don't think we need to work as hard as we think we, we do. Because we are great. Women are great. They know what they're doing. It's just, for some reason, a lot of women lack this this confidence to just like, just jump over it. Just, just jump. Um, and I think we should because uh, it pays off. Because by the time especially now with how quick the world is moving and how everything is moving. If you just wait and keep on getting ready, um, by the time you're ready, you will need, it's too late. Yeah, exactly. So point well taken. And like I said, people, for some reason, and I don't know if it's who I'm conversing with, but, or who I'm working with, but we talked about it offline that there's more and more and more talk about board seats. So following this theme of throw your hat into the arena, jump, figure it out. Uh, we're gonna segue into not necessarily how to land a board seat, but also how to drive value and become truly a priceless board member. So yeah. can you share a couple highlights of what you've learned and what you can share with everyone else? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my, the, the role that I've held on the most in the board world, I've, I am um, still um, going in my seventh year, um, is the treasurer of the board of trustees at the United Nations School in New York. And it's a private school in, in New York, but as a board, it's a very, very hands-on uh, board. And it's a very, um, as a treasurer and the chair of the audit committee of that board, um, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Um, and more work than I actually anticipated, but it's not the point. The point is that I'm not a, I've traded all my life. I knew nothing about education. Edu I saw the value of education and that's why we can talk about it as well. I'm a big proponent of education. It's a big mission in my life to encourage people to get education and to make education affordable. But um, 
when I was approached to be on the board of the school, I was like, well, I don't know anything about the business plan. I don't know anything about the strategy of the school. I'm not an educator. But then I thought, but I'm smart. I'm capable. I figured out a lot of other things in my life. Why can't I do this? And I've taken the leap. I've taken that jump and I've uh, taken the role. And it was the first six months. Um, it was very difficult because the truth is I knew nothing. Um, it was, and it goes back to flexibility. I was surrounded by a lot of people from very different background from the people that I work with in my everyday life. I work with a lot of American, most, a lot of, you know, some international crowd, but it's not very international in wall street. UN is, UN school is incredible. Like the, we, we have a lot of seats occupied by UN personnel or people who are related to the UN. We have certain mandates on diversity of location, of racial, uh, sexual diversity. It's incredible. So here I am talking to a very different group of people and figuring it out. Now I'm in finance. So I need to figure out how the finances work. And um, after doing, so I have to say, I spend my weekend sometimes pouring over financial statements and budgets. But once I figured out, and I knew the things that needed to be changed, I just went for it. And so let's just talk about going for it. What does that What does that mean? And did were you, did you hesitate at all, or did you just pull the trigger? Um, so um, going for it is, for example, if you're not happy with how certain things are done, um, you know, let's focus on my primary area of expertise, budgeting. I wasn't happy how it was done. I wasn't happy with the big thing for New York City private school, that, for example, is tuition increases. I wasn't happy with the history of tuition increases at the school. So, but it's not just, you know, flippy. Uh, it's not an easy situation. You really need to understand and sometimes press and ask tough questions, not be able, not being afraid to ask tough questions. And some, and when you get a pushback, um, you know, keep on, keep on with this perseverance of asking and demanding, and being transparent and um, being very open about your goals and have and start having people accountable. So um, it, you know, and when you're not, and again, because it wasn't my area of expertise, it's a little bit harder to just, like in financial services, it was easy for me. I know exactly what's going on, but in education, I didn't. So that's um, what I mean by um, sometimes you just, if you in, have enough confidence in yourself, don't wait until you're 80, 100% sure you understood every single thing about education. No, just just believe your common sense and believe your intuition. So I think that is really priceless advice to believe your common sense and your intuition. And I think that will not just serve on board seats, but for most things. Very life. true. And so it sounds like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, to optimize really your first six months, let's say, on a board, and also going forwards, but especially your first six months, to, to what I'm hearing is just to or to like put your head down, do the work, become knowledgeable, and don't be afraid to speak up. And and uh, be mindful of the culture. I think that's very important because you need, so I think, not only put your head down, but observe. 
observe what's going on and understand the mission. When I just started, somebody gave me very good advice. This person who later became a very close friend of mine said, you need to understand the mission and make sure that every single decision that you make for the organization, in this particular case, the school, is aligns, aligns with the mission. And that's true about profit or non-for-profit, non-profit board. Because one, once you understand the mission and what's the, or the strategic plan of the organization, then almost all the decision-making becomes a little bit simpler because you just need to make sure it's aligned. Mm -hmm. Okay, so not just come up to speed and like in your case, pour over a lot of financial statements, but be very intimately aware of the mission statement and really what it means and make sure that you're congruent or aligned. Correct. Yeah. And the culture and understand who the players are. What is the culture? Because it's very, uh, organizations are very different. One school is different from the other. One bank is different from the next. I'm sure that's true about any, every industry. Mm -hmm. And well, let's just talk about culture for a second. What exactly does that mean? And what exactly did you mean about understand who the players are? And once you do have that understanding, um, how do things shift? Um, so I, by um, what you what you need, so you join the board, the boards can be a variety of sizes. Um, for example, at my school, um, the board is 18 people. And he, you know, there's in certain organizations, like for example, when I came in from Wall Street to the, this job, not job, but to, to, to the board, you know, Wall Street is very quick. People speak very quickly, make decisions very quickly. It's a culture of quick decision-making and very, very quick, straight, not very empathetic talk. When you get to the board at that particular school, it is different. It's you know, people speak, there's a lot more empathy. There's people speak much more slower. People think very different, think very differently. Like this thinking is not aligned, which is exactly what I was saying before about the per point of diversity. That's exactly what you want. But it creates different culture and different um, interactions. And you understand, and then you learn, okay, if I have a question about curriculum, who, are the, who is the person that can give me, who is the person I can call? Or who is the person I can talk to about that question? What if I have a question about security or facilities? Who is that person? And how do I relate to that person? So that's what I mean about culture and understanding who the players are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds so important. Now here, and I promised I wouldn't throw you a curveball, but this might be one, but not too bad. That's um, okay. Now, if you mentioned that you've been on this board for just over seven years. So if you were going to coach yourself, your seven years ago self, in other words, when you were green behind the ears, you're brand new to the board, and it sounds like you knew a lot going in, but what advice would you give yourself if you were new to the board that you might have done a little bit differently? It's a good question. Um, I think, um, I would say maybe um, get to know more about other areas that are not your immediate focus. So my, as I said, I spend weekends pouring over financial statements, but I did not spend my weekends understanding how curriculum works or understanding um, 
what's important for a construction project that we were undertaking and how does that all play together and how is all interrelated. Mm -hmm. um, I've succeeded, I've done very well without that. And over years, I picked up more and more on that. But I think had I understood it a little bit early on, it would have made certain decisions and much, much easier to make. Um, Anyway, I think not even that, I think I would have um, absorbed a lot more information that I have in the first year or two. Mm -hmm. Okay, so not just be focused on your particular area of expertise, which is incredibly important too. But Absolutely. Branch out and have a little bit better baseline knowledge of the other areas. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah. And just, just learn as much as you can because yeah. it just makes you a better board member. A better, a better partner. You can, you know, because there's other people who are focusing on other areas, and to be a good partner to other board members, you need to understand the areas of expertise. Um, so, take them for coffee, like spend some, to allocate some time, understand what is it that they, what is the issues that they're facing, and what is the parts that they um, are concerned with or passionate about. Um, and learn that. I think that would have been, and I've, in the earlier you do it, I think, again, the more productive partner you become as well. Yeah, so spend time, yeah, building the relationships and knowledge. Correct. That so that sounds so important. And thank you so much for sharing these golden nuggets of wisdom that I'm sure will help women as we see more and more women and men too um, on boards. And is there anything that you'd like to leave everyone with so they're really sure to remember? Value education. I cannot say it enough and give back. Um, my husband and I made it sort of a mission to give back to a lot of educational um, purposes and you know, to universities, to schools, because um, I can see firsthand what a difference education makes in one's life. Like I was, um, today's 19th, May 29th, 10 days from now is going to be 30 years since I came to this country. Um, and in 30 years, I came from an, a poor immigrant who was literally deciding, do I want a pizza or a McDonald's for lunch and going with pizza because pizza was 99 cents, McDonald's meal was 99, um, to a successful professional who is able to give back and who sits on boards and supports I support my community uh, and I support a lot of women. I mentor women. Um, to do that only, only is possible through a high quality education. And not everybody in this country is privileged um, to receive that. So for those who are fortunate, um, give back financially, give your time. Again, if you're not, you know, in volunteer in any way you can to support education. To me, that's huge, huge goal. And I think it's the most rewarding thing you can do and you can truly change somebody's life. Yeah, and I wanna really commend you for that because it's really grooming the next level of leaders that are coming in. Thank you. So thanks so much, Ala Lieberman. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to following your journey. Thank you so much. It's been great. I appreciate it, Cheryl. And bless you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Bye.